Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host. I'm joined, as usual, by Kuka Hill. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at NBA. He is the site expert editor of PistonPower.com. Um, just wanted to let you know today. Uh, so I'm on vacation. That's why we haven't recorded. Uh, it's been a little It's been over a week now. But So I'm on vacation. Um, I'm sitting out on the, on the porch in Florida of a condo. So the sound quality may not be the best, but we decided we wanted to get something up, so we're here to do that. Um, let me start off with the deadline stuff that happened. Um, the Pistons made two trades, but really three moves. So first trade was traded Reggie Bullock away to the Los Angeles Lakers for Svee Mikhailik and a second-round pick, as well as they traded um, uh, Stanley Johnson for Thon Maker. And then they have come to an agreement with um, Wayne Ellington, who got bought out. Uh, he's going to sign with the Pistons for the rest of the year. So, first things first. Coop, your boy is gone. The SS Stanley Johnson, at least in Detroit, has officially sunk. Um, you can you can speak a few words about that if you want. Um, well, if any of you guys follow me on Twitter, then uh, you guys saw my 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 goodbye to him i did a little twitter live video i'm not gonna lie dude i mean i was joe knows cham knows all of our friends know i was pretty choked up the first day it happened and i'm still a little little sad and depressed that he's gone but i watched his game yesterday i mean i i like i like his fit with new orleans um i saw a few things i liked that they had him doing out there i i actually put some of that out there in a twitter clip but, yeah, Stanley's gone. The SS Johnson has, has sunk in Detroit, but I've moved it over to New Orleans where, where I'm still the captain of that ship over there in New Orleans. We're just on better waters now. But, um, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. it sucks that he's gone and that he, he wasn't able to figure it out in Detroit. But I, I, I'm happy to see him in New Orleans. I hope he figures it all out there. I'll be watching him for every single game I'll be watching. So I, I'll still be supporting him 100%. Yeah, so, um, I mean, so for Stanley specifically, you touched on it, obviously, but I think that New Orleans is about as good of a spot for him to have ended up as anywhere. Um, There's been talk that the Pelicans have liked Stanley since he got into the league. Each time his name has, his name didn't really come up in any trade talks his rookie season, but since then it's been a fairly persistent thing. And, uh, you know, every time that happened, the Pelicans were always a team that was rumored to have interest in him. So clearly they've liked him for quite a while now. Um, And then with that in mind, that means that they, you know, they're not just taking a random flyer on him, basically. They've got some interest in him, and especially with the whole Anthony Davis deal, um, they're going to be pretty interested in trying to make him work out. Um, But... Obviously, now that Stanley Johnson's not on the Pistons anymore, um, <laughs> he's not the guy we should be talking about too much. Uh, in return, they got Fawn Maker. So, Koo, what is what is your opinion on Fawn Maker? Um, I don't. I'm not gonna act like I know a lot about him, but I was. I watched a couple clips. I was watching some film when we traded for him uh, throughout the night, and then I was looking at some of his stats and like his shooting and everything. Um, you've mentioned this on Twitter. He's he's a high energy guy. He gives it his all. 
he's gonna be high energy out there and that's one thing I noticed when I was watching some some clips and some film is that those are the kind of, we kind of mentioned it earlier in the year with uh, actually with Stanley earlier in the year that the high the high motor high energy mistakes you can you you will take those you don't want you don't want the mistakes of someone just not trying or being lazy or just forgetting something if you're if you're trying hard and you're out there going 100 percent you make mistakes those ones are better to accept that means that those are the ones you'd rather have and those are the kind of ones I see with him he's always he's always given it his all which is good um, I read I also read that uh, there was a couple NBA executives out there after he was traded to Piston that said that. He's better than he's better than people think he is. Blah blah. There's a couple of NBA executives I pretty much read that were that are just as high as him that the Pistons must have been if they were going to trade for him. So he's long. He's tall. I like that they had him at four yesterday with Andre, even though it was for only eight minutes. But you know, I don't have a very educated opinion on him. I don't know much about him, but I'm I'm going to be interested in finding out a lot about him as the season goes. I mean, as you mentioned, I, I, I very much so think um, his best value is, comes from the fact that, you know, he's long, he is a good athlete, and he does play hard. Uh, you know, the thing that is funny is there's a decent number of fans who, when they think of Thonmaker, um, they pretty clearly still just think of his high school mixtapes where people thought he was going to be like the next Kevin Durant. <laughs> Which nah, he's he's nowhere near that. Um, he's I'm just quite blatant about it. He's been a pretty miserable offensive player in his career. Uh, he shoots decently from the corners, but he's not really that good of a shooter. Uh, people don't really guard him. He can't. He doesn't really finish that well inside. Uh, he's got bad hands. He struggles to catch the ball and to hold onto the ball in the paint. And he's so skinny that he is a really bad rebounder. Uh, but like you said, I really like playing him alongside Andre. I think there's real potential there for a couple of reasons. First off is that, you know, one of Thon's biggest issues in his career has always been that he's just so skinny that he struggles to do a lot of the big man stuff you need him to do, right? He struggles to box people out. He struggles to keep guys out of the paint with his body, et cetera, et cetera. But when you've got Andre on the floor, obviously you can afford to have a power forward who's not a very good rebounder and whatnot. Um, and then on top of that, those two guys together can potentially make a really pretty formidable defensive front line of just, you know, tons of defense, tons of athleticism um, and bounciness and length and such. And that's where Thon's going to bring the most value. Uh, I think that the best way for people to approach him is something akin to what you hope that Bruce Brown does, except just as a big, where he goes out, he plays really hard on defense, um, you know, be a be a positive defensive player, and then you hope that he just manages to hit enough shots on offense that it's not a total wash on that end. Um, and then the real value of Thon, though, and particularly trading Stanley Johnson for him, is twofold. First off, Thon is under contract next season still, whereas Stanley would have needed to get paid this offseason. Who knows exactly what he'll end up getting, but that's especially valuable for a team like the Pistons, who's going to be totally capped out and then some. Um, and he makes a little bit less than what Stanley would have made and makes this year. So that gave them a, that helped to give them a little bit of space and such. So that's really good for them. And then the other thing is that he's a proper big. And it's more likely next year. Now, Stanley was playing so much power forward at this point that, you know, it's not as 
big a deal, but Stanley really is a wing player, right? He's a wing who can play up to power forward, but he's really a wing player, whereas Thon is really a, he's a four or a five. So that's something, that's a position that, at least off the bench, the Pistons are probably going to have a bigger need of next season. So it's that combination of that, you know, he's um, he's cheap, he's under contract next year, and he plays a position that's a little bit more of need than what Stanley Johnson did. And then beyond that, um, there's been rumors for quite a while that Stanley Johnson wanted out. Um, he hadn't made like a big stink about it or anything, but I'd heard that for a while now. Um, earlier this year, I remember you, you actually, the one who shared it with me, there was a piece about, um, so one of the beat writers mentioned that the Pistons were worried about, maybe it wasn't one of the beat writers, I forget where it was, but there was a story that talked about how the Pistons were worried about Stanley Johnson's focus and, you know, the people around him and where his head is at and such. And um, in response to that, I asked around a little bit, and I mostly got the response of, yeah, he, he kind of wants out. So especially if that's the case where he kind of wanted to get out, um, he's a, it's a fine return for him. I struggle to think of what more you could have gotten for him, quite frankly. So I'm not a huge fan of Thonmaker. Um, he's really, really limited on offense, and on defense he... He's a good athlete. He plays hard. We always like those guys. If you're a good athlete and you play hard, we can find a use for you. Uh, we've talked about that plenty of times before. But he's pretty undisciplined and wild on the defensive end. Has a bad tendency to get really out of position a lot, that sort of thing. So we'll see how it works out. But, I mean, look, man, we both believed in Stanley. We both like Stanley a lot. But just prize, just kind of time to... It was just time for that, and Thon's as good a return, I think, about as you could expect. Anything you want to add on to that? Yeah, other than that, since this would be the last time we talk about Stanley, probably, now that he's, he really has gone. But, uh, yeah, I'll continue. Joe mentioned it. We were big fans of Stanley. I'll continue to be Stanley's biggest fan. I'm, I already clipped some clips from him. His first game yesterday, I'll continue to make clips of his games moving forward throughout his career. I'll continue to be Stanley Johnson, Brian Woodhorse. So if any of you guys who uh, only watch the Pistons want to know how Stanley's doing throughout the years or throughout this year, make sure you guys follow me because I'll be I'll, I'll I promise I'm going to have the Stanley content continuing no matter where he goes. Yeah, and I once again mentioned it earlier, but I think he's probably in about as good a spot as he could have been at. Um, they've liked him for a while. They probably think that there's something there, and he'll get a lot. He'll get some good opportunity to. Um, to figure it out there, I would think. So, other trade they made, they traded Reggie Bullock for um, Svi Mikhailuk. I think that's how you pronounce it, more or less. Mikhailuk. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, but So, they trade him for him and a second-round pick. Um, what are your general thoughts on that? Well, um, I made a video today, uh, Joe. I don't know if you know this, but... I made a video today talking about this and how the Pistons <laughs> Pistons nailed the deadline because of these moves. At first, I was I was very like I said I was very depressed about seeing my man's go, but as I, as the days have passed by and especially after watching them play yesterday, not that they did anything like exceptional yesterday, just but but just watching the team now and just thinking about it, the Pistons really did nail this deadline and it started with um, Reggie Bullock to the Lakers for Svi and the second round pick now. 
uh, like I said, with, it's just pretty much the same thing I said with Don. I don't know much about Sophia. I'm not going to act like I have so much intelligence that I should be like teaching everybody else with. But what I do know is this. Mike Joe said about Thon, he's on a he's on a rookie, low-cost, controlled deal throughout the next couple of years. Those are the kind of things that are – those things are extremely important for the Pistons because they're in salary cap hell. And this is the thing that – I don't know if Joe mentioned this or not, but with V and Thon, they're both – what are they? Both 21, right? They're both extremely young players. Well, we think Thon is 21. Come on, Joe. I already told you. You got to stop with that, man. But – but either way, they're both extremely young players. They're both considered, I believe, prospects at this point. Even though they're probably going, they're probably going to see playing time. They're still going to be considered projects, and that we're going to be trying to develop. So, essentially, you got now you got Luke Kennard, you got Bruce Brown, you got Kyrie Thomas, you got Svee, and you got Son, and you got the first round pick coming this year. So essentially, I know Luke is a is a sophomore this year, but. It, he, he falls in this category. You've essentially got six rookies or young guys that you're developing on low-cost deals over the next few years. That is absolutely – that's that's exceptional. That's that's a big thing for the Pistons. Those are all young guys that if all of them at a certain point have showed something. Uh, Don in the playoffs showed something. Um, Svee was an extremely talented player overseas. Kyrie Thomas has showed us stuff in his time here. Bruce Brown's now the starter. and. He's a second-round pick. We all love Luke. We think Luke's going to be exceptional. I mean, these are all young players that we've seen things happen, and they're all on low-cost deals. So that's the main thing that you need to take away from any of these deals. Reggie Bullock, Stanley, no matter what, all these deals, the Pistons nailed this deadline strictly because of those kind of things. Well, I think saying that they nailed the deadline might be a little bit of a strong term just because I'm not sure that either of the deals they made. Now, picking up Wayne Ellington... That's about yeah, as good as you could have hoped for. But, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that either of the deals are, like, absolute knockouts. They could end up being that. Like, if, if they actually managed to extract Thon um, Maker into being, like, a really good player, or if, or if Svee Mikhailuk ends up being, like, like, if he ends up starting next year and being good, for instance, then that's an absolute knockout deal. Um, and for what it's worth, I heard Jerry West say that he really likes Svee. And I usually disregard what a lot of GMs and such say about those things because you hear all kinds of different things. Um, the reality is that GMs are not actually that much smarter than the rest of us typically. Um, they, they pay attention, they pay close attention, but there's plenty of GMs who think things that are wrong. If there's one dude whose talent evaluation I'm going to take with some serious like consideration, it's Jerry West. So that certainly makes me feel better about that. But I think the best thing is that they did a really nice job of sort of walking the line of setting themselves up for the next for next year and the next couple of years while still allowing themselves to compete for a playoff spot this season. And, yeah, because I we've talked about this leading up to it, but the biggest worry coming into the deadline was that they do something stupid desperately trying to make the playoffs this year, right? That would have that was the worry. Like if they trade a first-round pick and Luke Kennard or Bruce Brown or whatever for, you know, I don't know, some guy who's pretty good and will help them make the playoffs this year but not actually that good, right? Um, that would have been... That would have been bad, and they didn't do that. 
they got some stuff to set them up better for at the very least next season, while at the same time, they're still going to have a good chance to make the playoffs this year. Um, and that's a good, that's not an easy thing to do. And I think they walked that line pretty well. Um, I tweeted this the other day, it might have been yesterday, but the other thing why I wouldn't say that they really nailed this deadline, and just as a sort of word of caution to people, is that remember that this is the easy part of the team building process. Like, I think everyone would agree Stan Van Gundy absolutely nailed his first two summers, right? Really, in his, throughout, through his first two years, Stan Van Gundy pretty much nailed everything, whether trades, free agent signings, more or less, um, you know, et cetera. Like, they really nailed that stuff. And it's easy to get to be a team that's like, I like this team. There's a lot of interesting pieces here. They've got some good players. You know, it's easy to make a team that's going to win 44 games. It's hard to make a team go from 44 to 54. That's the trick. And so that's the thing that just is a little bit of a pump the brakes. So I'm pretty pleased with how the deadline came out, um, but that's just a little bit of a pump the brakes thing. And with Bullock specifically, I know a lot of people were disappointed about the value they got back for him. And I do still wonder if maybe they could have gotten more. But there's been several people, in particular Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press, um, he's responded to me specifically a couple of times about this, that he had heard mostly that they were probably going to get one second and maybe a little bit more for him, and that this was probably about the most value they could have gotten. Um, I know Rod Beard tweeted out the other day that there were a couple of offers of two second-round picks on the table for him. They decided they'd rather have a second-rounder and Svee. Um, so, you know, I'm the one thing that's always tough with those sorts of trades is that we don't know what all went on, right? We don't know what the offers were. Uh, so, but pretty clearly, um, based on what the beat writers and some other people have said, uh, they certainly didn't get terrible value for him. I do wonder still if they maybe could have gotten a little bit more if they had held on for another day or so. Uh, but they got at least decent value for him. And the other thing is that they clearly really like Svee, uh, and um, he was drafted this past year as a second-round pick, and uh, both of the second-round picks that they made have looked pretty good this season. So let's see how Svee looks. Um, like you mentioned, he's a guy who he's a really good shooter. Um, I'm not sure about his defense, but one other thing that's nice about him is that when you I know you were, you were talking to me about this, the other day, right after the trade happened. But he's a guy who, I don't know that he's going to be able to do that much more than just shoot, but, like, he's not some bum athlete. He moves pretty well. He can get up a little bit, and that's a good sign because there's sometimes you get guys who they're really good shooters, and it's like they can't do anything but stand and shoot. Like, so he can move a little bit, and I know you were talking about that too. And so that's a good sign for them. Um you know, so just sort of on the general um, direction, though, what do you think about that? I um, just want to add this real quick thing. Yeah. In that game yesterday, V actually had a really good uh, pass. I, I don't know if you saw it. He, yeah. he had a really good pass to Zaza, I believe it was, for a wide-open layup. But, yeah, the dude can I, – I told Joe that I believe the dude can get up because I think he's sneaky athletic. But, anyways, what was the question you said? 
Well, Ryan, you could just say whatever you wanted. Honestly, I can feel a gust of wind coming up, so I was trying to pass it over to you before I screwed everything up. I feel feel you. Uh, But the reason, like Joe Joe said, um, Joe mentioned about how uh, pump the brakes on. He likes the deadline, but, you know, maybe nailing it's a little too far. Well, the reason why I say nail is because of this. They got the two guys, they got two young prospects on rookie deals that that have potential and we have to develop, they believe they can develop, and are going to be probably in the rotation this year to the, and, until we get to the playoffs. After the season ends, they're going to be in the rotation. And we got a second-round pick. To add on to this, I said this in my video today. Everyone go check it out, Coos Ballroom on YouTube. I said this in my video today. The Pistons... <laughs> There was a fan, there was a couple of fans talking about Wayne Ellington. What? Who's Wayne? Are we for real? We're spazzing about Wayne Ellington. Listen, you guys need to understand this. The Pistons traded Reggie Bullock for a young player in speed and a second round pick. They traded Stanley for Thon Maker. They pretty much and and throughout the whole season, the worry was that if you're going to trade Reggie Bullock, you're pretty much saying we're giving up this season. We're not. We're just. We're going to get worse. And we're probably not going to make the playoffs if we get Reggie Bullock. That was the worry amongst everybody. That if Reggie Bullock's traded, that is a signal to, okay, well, we're going to get worse no matter what if we give Reggie Bullock. The team's just going to get worse because he's our best shooter. We replaced him with Wayne Ellington off the buyout market. So we not only did we get value for Reggie Bullock, we replaced him with someone who can who can do just as like approximately what he does. He can shoot threes. He can catch. He's a, a light. He's a sharpshooter. Uh, he's a sharpshooter. He shot thirty. He sh- I believe he's shooting thirty-seven percent this year on six attempts a game from beyond the arc. He's a career thirty-eight percent shooter. Just last year, he was shooting forty percent on seven attempts. We replaced him with someone who can sharp. Who is just a pl- flat-out sharpshooter. So, replacing Reggie Bullock with V would have been would have been okay. Uh, it's going to be hard to make the playoffs, even though Martin, our friend Martin pointed out that the, the Heat have a pretty tough schedule. So even if we did get rid of Reggie Bullock and not get Wayne Ellington, we, po- we possibly could have made the playoffs anyways because of how bad the, the, heat, the Heat schedule is. But either way, we replaced him with Wayne Ellington, and that's a good, that's a good, that's a good way to replace him for just this year too. It's not, it's not, he's, he's not going to be on some multi-year deal. This is going to be for this year. We're pushing to the playoffs. We replaced him with Ellington. He's going to try to do what Reggie Bullock could do first from outside, outside the three-point line, and then he's going to get paid this offseason by somebody else. But that's why I believe this deadline was a deadline. We nailed it because we got young young players on rookie deals, a pick, and we replaced Reggie Bullock with someone who can sharp, who can, who is a really good shooter from outside as well to try and make the playoffs. It's like we we killed all birds with one stone. Well. Okay, well, here's one thing about Wayne Ellington, okay? I'm thrilled they got him. It's a really good move. He'll be a really nice addition for them. Let's not overstate Wayne Ellington. Um, he's not going to totally fill the void that Reggie Bullock left. Uh, first off, now, Bullock had not been that good defensively this season, but um, Bullock has, has mostly been at least like a fairly competent defender. Ellington is a bit worse than that. He's not quite as big, not quite as long. Um, and also, he's not the same offensive player that Reggie Bullock is. There's a reason that the Pistons got two assets back for Reggie Bullock while Wayne Ellington was on the buyout market. Um, 
And so first off, Ellington is not the same level of shooter as Bullock is. But in particular, he's not able to put the ball on the floor at all. Uh, Bullock obviously is not a big, you know, slasher or anything like that. But he can put the ball on the floor, run some pick and rolls occasionally, that sort of thing. Um, so one thing we've talked about quite a bit, for instance, is um, this season is with various guys is what percentage of their shots are coming from beyond the three-point line. Wayne Ellington, the last two seasons, so last season and this season, is taking 83% of his shots from beyond the arc. Like, he's a good shooter, he's a really good shooter, but he is just a shooter in the purest form. So he's going to help a lot, but he's not going to replace Reggie Bullock. He's going to make losing Reggie Bullock not as painful. And, I mean, the one thing is that um, I'm still worried about I'm still worried about their wing rotation. Um, the Pistons still probably have, even with Ellington coming back in, they probably have the worst wing rotation of any team trying to win games this season. Um, but, which, <laughs> that's not ideal. But they already had that. So the main thing is that going down to the end of the season, first off, like you said, the Heat have a tough schedule. Honestly, the and the Hornets, they've always been kind of mad this season. The Nets also have a really tough schedule down the stretch of this season. So, And the Pistons have a pretty easy one. So the Pistons are going to have a pretty good chance to get into the playoffs no matter what. The trick is going to be, are they going to limp into the playoffs or are they going to finish the season really strong to get into the playoffs? Um, and, you know, sort of set up so that heading into next season, there might be something brewing here, so to speak. Um, but bigger than those wing players is going to be that they really need this Reggie Jackson that has shown up for the last seven games or so. They need that to continue big time. And also um, Andre Drummond has really played well since coming back from a knock. Um, so I think that's probably what we can talk about to finish up this podcast, Coos. Um, so give us your thoughts on Reggie Jackson and his, uh, I guess you could say, his renaissance as of late. Um, over his last seven games, I'm going to bring up the exact numbers here a second. Uh, and ironically, this is since the, the Pelicans game where he had the infamous um, post-game interview. Um, but so in his last eight games, Reggie Jackson is averaging 19 points and six assists per game shooting 48% from the field, 44% from three. Um, and those 6.3 assists are coming against just 0.9 turnovers per game, which is spectacular. So, yeah, tell us about what what do you think about Reggie Jackson's resurgence and, you know, can he keep this up for us this season? Okay, uh, I don't know if it was you or I, I believe it was you. You got you retweeted something that said, I don't always... <laughs> Something, something along the lines of, uh, I believe we did this trade or we did this strictly because it forces Dwayne Casey to have no other options but run pick and roll for Reggie Jackson. But, but uh, yeah, pretty much, I don't know what's happened, and I got to give credit to this because, as everyone knows, I went on, like, a insane rant on Dwayne Casey a couple weeks ago, and he deserved every bit of it, but he also deserves credit right now because he's reworking the offense or, like, we've... I don't know if re- reworking is the right word, but adding pick and rolls to the offense and 
he's he's better using Andre Drummond and Freddie Jackson, and that has a lot to do with what's going on right now. And Freddie Jackson's even playing so well that our the what did Joe call him? The Godfather of Pistons Twitter, Duncan Duncan Smith, who was who was ready to jump off the Freddie Jackson ship, and it wrote something about how Freddie Jackson may just not be the same anymore. We have evidence to show that he's not going to be the same anymore. He just tweeted something out today showing uh, Reddy Jackson's synergy chart, and you guys should all go look at that because it looks. Joe, what do you think it looks like? What do you think that synergy chart looks like? Pretty good. It looks really good. Reddy Jackson's been exceptional over the past eight games. He's and the stat that I love the most is six and a half. What was it? Six and a half assists to point nine turnovers. That is yeah. insane. That's crazy. So Reddy's been playing exceptional. And because of Reggie playing exceptional and running pick and rolls, guess Joe, guess guess who's playing better? Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond's been balling out. So just like we and Joe have been saying all year, run the man some pick and rolls, get Andre rolling to the basket, and the good things will happen. And guess what? We've noticed that by doing this, you don't have to take away Blake Griffin completely because Blake's still going off too. So it's like we still have the big three going off. So I think Joe mentioned it. Are we going to lip into the playoffs or are we going to be soaring into the playoffs? I think the evidence points to right now, at least, that the Pistons are hitting their peak right now with Reddie Jackson. And remember this, Reddy Jackson didn't have an offseason. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not even sure he played in the preseason either. So it was going to take him a while to get his legs underneath him. And along with Dwayne Casey implementing more pick and rolls again for him and Dre, making them just better on the offensive end. Reggie looks like he's getting his legs back. He hit a move yesterday. I wanted to clip it. I might clip it later, but he hit, he hit uh, the opposing point guard with a nice little in-and-out crossover, back uh, double crossover, and left him in the dust and just finished with a nice little scoop layup. Reggie looks like Reggie looks like 2016 Reggie right now. He's playing amazing. Andre's playing amazing. I think the Pistons are hitting their peak at the perfect time. Yeah, I mean... There's kind of two things. So first off is that with Jackson's health, um, so last night during the game they had Ed Stefanski on the broadcast and he talked for a little bit. And he said that Arnie Kander, um, who was brought back on, he was their straight-up trainer for the longest time. He Yeah, he left for a while, but he was. they brought him back on as like a consultant, so not technically their head trainer, but he was back with the team. And... He had apparently said that, you know, it's going to be at least January before Reggie Jackson starts to really get 100% again. I mean, that's fitting up with the timeline here. And we've talked about it before that as the season's gone on, Jackson has started to show, um, you know, he started to show some friskiness, I guess you could say. Uh, One of the best stats to show this that I've talked about is... um, He's got nine dunks this season. He had nine dunks the past two seasons combined. Um, He's on pace for the most dunks he's had in a season since the 2014-2015 season. So, you know, there's some good signs that he's really starting to feel frisky. And obviously the numbers are great recently. Now, he won't shoot that well from three. He's not. (laughs) I doubt he suddenly became a 44% three-point shooter. But there's a lot of good signs with him. And... Reggie Jackson playing like this is a guy that the Pistons can win a lot of games with. 
And, you know, going down the stretch of the season, their wing rotation is going to be an issue. There is no way around that. Um, Bruce Brown brings you basically nothing on offense. Uh, Luke Kennard is still a little bit inconsistent. Uh, Wayne Ellington can shoot, but he doesn't do much else. Kyrie Thomas I like a lot. Uh, we have no idea what Svee is going to be able to do. But the wing rotation is going to be an issue. But if Jackson continues to play like this, um, Drummond and Griffin have been great all season. They're going to be great. They really, though, they really clearly just needed that third guy. And for Drummond in particular, right, so he's also played awesome over this last stretch since coming back from concussion protocol. Um, the thing with him, and we talked about this a while back, and it was pretty predominantly featured in the piece I wrote um, about the problems that Dwayne Case was having, is that Andre was not being used as a screening roller. Um, one of my favorite, one of the main stats that I had in that piece was that, um, you know, last season Andre was like third or fourth in screen assists in the entire NBA. And this season he had been down to like 30-something, something like that. Like they simply put, they were having him post up a ton. They were not having him, um, they were not having him be used as a guy who's going around and setting a lot of screens or anything like that, right? That started to turn around a little bit. They're not having him post up a ton. They're putting the ball in Reggie Jackson's hands more. But most importantly, um, I'm trying to get the... Most importantly, though, they're getting him more just as a role man to the hoop and trying to find him for dunks. And that is probably the best thing that could be happening for them, I think at least. Um while Joe's looking for that, I'll say this. Um, our friend Sham tweeted something. And by the way, everybody, be prepared because I'm having Sham on here. I'm sick of his. I'm, I'm sick of him talking to me through text. He can he can come to me here and say it face to face. But he tweeted something <clears throat> today talking about it's time to end that the Drummond is a bad defender narrative. And I agree with him. Drummond has made extreme improvements this year on the defensive side, and this is with. Not very good defenders on the perimeter either. So, like, they're just allowing uh, dribble penetration almost every play, and you can still see the improvement Drummond's made this year. He's not a bad defender. So, anybody who – you see anybody talking about that, any Pistons fans that don't know how to update their opinion, they're just wrong. Yeah, and so I'm just to illustrate this, okay? So, on the season, he's up to 21st in screen assists per game. In the month of February, which is obviously pretty short still – He's up to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th in the month of February. In January, what was he in January? I should have done this beforehand, probably. In January, he was like, he was 11th in January. So they're using him more like that. And that's the thing that I really want to harp on is that when we've complained about the usage of Reggie Jackson, um, and I think we've always tried to point this out, but it's that it's not just about getting Jackson going. It's that using Jackson like that is the best way to make get the most out of Andre Drummond. And that was actually the most important thing out of all of that. And that's starting to happen. So over this stretch, he's scoring like 22 points a game, and he's shooting 68% from the field. And Aku, Kukahil, what have we said an awful lot about? On this on this show, 
when people complain about uh, when people complain about Andre not being an efficient scorer compared to other guys, what have we always brought up? How many baskets he has assisted? Exactly. Guess what? Andre Drummond's starting to get a lot more of his buckets assisted. They're not having him just post up relentlessly. They're having him. I had this number up and I totally freaking lost it. I might try and find it back. <laughs> well, while Joe tries to find it again, uh, even Greg Pelser was saying on the. I think they had a stat pop up on the broadcast yesterday. Greg Pelser said that the Pistons have been. Andre Drummond's been having all a lot of his baskets assisted on now recently, and like I forgot what the stretch was they used, but they made a point to even talk about it on the broadcast. So that should just let you know something there too. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get this back up. I'm very sorry. But it's just, it is just the truth that they're starting to use him more as a rim runner. You know what I mean? They're using him as a guy who's a skulker and can just dunk all over people. And that's been such a good thing for him. And it's made the offense a lot better, too, because first off, you no longer have relentless um, Andre Drummond post-ups, which we all know and have known for a while is a really bad thing for your offense. He's starting to get... So you're eliminating one of your least efficient things and replacing it with one of your with a thing that's actually good. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to find this find this um, stat back. But regardless, I think we can agree... Oh, you got your finger up. Okay, go for it. The greatest thing I've been seeing, and Joe didn't mention this. I'm surprised he didn't mention this. The greatest thing I've been seeing... We have been getting four or five pick and roll. We have been getting a Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond pick and rolls a lot recently. And I'll give you an example of one yesterday. Actually, it wasn't even a pick and it wasn't even a pick and roll with Blake and Andre. Uh, I believe it was a pick and roll. Pick and roll with Reggie. Reggie went to the basket and dumped it off to Blake, who was like around in between the block and the high post. And Andre was still at the free throw line. As soon as Blake got the ball, he no looks it to Andre, who's just cutting to the basket. Who's going to stop Andre Drummond cutting to the basket? I absolutely, anytime I see Drummond cutting from the baseline to the basket, the high post to the basket, any kind of movement that gets Andre Drummond cutting to the basket, I absolutely love it. It's absolutely amazing. And we've been getting it recently. And you have to give Dwayne Casey credit because I absolutely destroyed the man. I I, I absolutely, like, <laughs> if you listen to that, that podcast I said about him, you think that he was worse than worse than some PV coaches, so I have to yeah. I have to give him some credit. Okay, okay. Here we go, all right? So remember when we had that podcast, Andre Drummond was I think he only like fifty one percent of his makes yeah, being 51%. assisted, right? Over the seven game stretch, what percentage do you think he's at? Sixty six. Sixty one. So still lower than a lot of guys, although the number of offensive rebounds he gets and he goes back up with them that lowers that bit, but He's now in the range of other similar rim-running types. And he's scoring 22 points and shooting 68% from the field. Absurdity. Absolute and utter absurdity. So we'll see if he can keep up that sort of play. But, um, you know, on the note of you know giving some credit to Dwayne Casey, um, this is one of the reasons why I've often tried to temper my frustrations a little bit. No, um, Joe, don't pull this. No, no don't pull okay. this. You went on a big rant. I still do not think Dwayne Casey's that good of a coach. I still think that. But they are starting to get a little bit better chemistry. And also, it's worth noting, 
why on earth did it take him this long to decide, oh, let's not post up Andre anymore? I'm not sure why it took him that long to decide that, but credit where credit is due. He's starting to figure it out. The team is starting to figure it out. There is some good chemistry going between guys. Um, and perhaps most importantly, Reggie Jackson looks like himself. So, yeah. And we could probably wrap that up. If you've got any final thoughts, go ahead. Goodbye, family. That's it? That's all you want to say? Goodbye. Your jersey's hung up in my room. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Oh, we yeah. talked about everything. Just one, one final goodbye to Stan. Good. So hopefully the quality of this isn't too terrible. If it is, then sorry. You um, can blame Joe. And, yeah, I get back from vacation on Tuesday. So um, we might try and record another one while I'm down here, but we'll see. Uh, so until then, so long, everybody, and go Pistons. <laughs>